Perinatal Stories Australia. Welcome to Perinatal Stories Australia. My name is Rebecca, and every episode we provide a listening ear to the lived experiences of mental illness during pregnancy and postpartum. I hope this podcast reduces stigma, informs listeners about support services available, and inspires those on their own healing journey. More importantly, I hope you can hear these stories and know you're not alone. Thank you for being here to hold space for the stories we often keep to ourselves. Welcome back to Perinatal Stories Australia, everyone. I am joined today by the very beautiful Nicolina. She is just this powerhouse. She is a writer. She's done radio. She's her own podcast host too. She features on morning talk shows and now she's an author, I believe. Um, so of course I'm nervous because I think she could probably do my job better than I could. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful she's here to talk to me today. I've followed Nicolina's career over the years. I think we had children at the same time as well. And it's been nice to see you grow and succeed in your career, see you becoming a mum and also relate to the stories that you share about motherhood. And yeah, I'm so, so grateful you're here to shed a light on your experience because it's not necessarily the narrative of motherhood that we we usually hear. No, not at all. Oh, thank you so much, Rebecca. That's such a sweet introduction. You know, it's nice when someone reiterates some of your accomplishments in life because I guess we tend to forget what we do and, and how hard we work. So it's a nice little pat on the back when someone reminds you of that. So that's oh, very good. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Um, did you want to maybe introduce yourself, introduce your family? And Yes, I would love to. So I'm Nicolina. I'm just, you know, a Sydney girl. I've always lived here, you know, I've traveled around, but always come back. And I've recently, in the last couple of years, actually during the whole COVID crisis, started a little family with my husband. We got married right before COVID. Um, and then I guess, you know, if it probably didn't go the way COVID changed the world, we would have perhaps waited a couple of years to have kids but because it all went down we kind of re-evaluated which I think a lot of people did because we were at home and we thought yeah well if we're not going to be traveling if we're not going to be you know going out and about it might be a good time to start thinking about a family um so I had a little Noah two years ago I can't believe it's true it's just weird and I also very quickly after Noah had my little boy Leo who is eight months old now so yeah two little boys um with my husband Nick and I guess now I can say that I'm in a very good place I'm in a very happy place um but it wasn't always that case when Mm. I had my kids no and I'm gonna maybe skip forward a little bit here because you wrote an article a few months ago that I absolutely related to titled I question whether I was meant to be a mother every day. And Mm. I can almost guarantee that every single one of us who have had perinatal depression or anxiety can relate to those doubts, those fears, those anxieties, those thoughts. And that's what makes every story, no matter how different to our own, that's what makes them so relatable. And yeah, I absolutely loved that article. And I'm hoping you can shed light on your motherhood experience for us because yeah, it wasn't what you thought it would be. Yeah, I think um, 
that's why I love what you're doing with this podcast. I love being able to share my story as well, wherever I can, specifically with that article as well, is because I feel like we don't say the truth enough as mothers. There's a lot of, uh, you you know, you would see it online as well. There's a lot of happy photos. There's a lot of um, happy conversations that go around even over the dining table with relatives and friends. And I think we get this kind of warped view of what motherhood is especially I felt like that before I had kids I thought I could just see clearly what motherhood was like you know I heard about things like you know sleepless nights and you know having to to figure out breastfeeding and that sort of stuff but you just never ever ever heard anything to do with the mental health side of motherhood I never heard a thing. And that's not to say that family and friends should have told me. I think that we all um, experience it in such a, I guess, individual and like personal way that you're not necessarily comfortable to express that. But I just always say to myself, I wish somebody just told me the truth, not to say it would have avoided anything that I went through, but it would have just made me feel like it was okay because other people did go through the same thing. But yeah, I when I had Noah, I think it's important I explain where I was at during my pregnancy because I think that had a really big impact on my postnatal experience. But I was at like this bit of a peak in my career. I was working in breakfast radio. I absolutely adored that job, um, you know, and working in radio and that industry, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of events and it's a lot of socializing and mingling. And um, I guess I was, you know, going out a lot. I also had just hit a bit of a career high. I had one of my stories that I had recorded um, a year or so before just published on Getaway, an episode of Getaway, which was just an absolute dream come true. I was actually pregnant with Noah watching the episode the day before I gave birth. So all my family came over. Yeah, it was so fun. All my family came over and we watched it go on TV and it was just an amazing moment. I also had a really easy pregnancy, so I wasn't really hit with any crazy symptoms. I wasn't really tired. This, by the way, all changed with Leo. Second pregnancy (laughs) hit so hard. (laughs) I had all sorts of pains and things going on. But the first time around, I was, yeah, very much um, kind of, I will say, like breathing through. I know that that will, you know, not sound great for mums out there who have the worst of the symptoms but I just felt like I was really lucky but that's all I knew as well so I couldn't really compare it to anything and so going into my birth I was just on a real big high I guess and so you can imagine when I had Noah everything changed right so there was no going out anymore um there was me trying to figure out a baby 24-7 when I was so used to, you know, working on my own projects, working on my own achievements. I, as somebody who took a lot of value in seeing their friends and family very often, I, you know, felt really isolated. I was at home all the time with this baby who I couldn't even figure out. I was um, starting to feel very different personality-wise. And that's when I knew something was wrong. Um, and I wasn't feeling the way, I guess no mother should feel a particular way, but I wasn't feeling a very healthy way during that first phase of motherhood, or you should say, you know, the fourth trimester and that newborn phase, something was very wrong. And I remember one of your articles as well. Um, here I am just reading off your resume. Um, (laughs) it's, am I the only mum who hated the newborn stage? And 
I think that that's so important to talk about. And yes, it you know, they're not talking or tantruming or whatever, but it doesn't mean it's easy. No, I think it's one of those things where um, you might get a hint of easiness in the first week. You're like, oh my gosh, they sleep so long and this is so easy. And then it all kind of comes crashing down once they start to awaken to the world. But um yeah, I think uh, it took me a very, very long time to admit that that first three to four months of Noah's life, I, yeah, I know it's a strong word, but I just hated it. I I hated breastfeeding. I hated being so isolated, being at home all the time, being tired, being anxious, which was a very foreign feeling to me. I had never, ever even had this slightest hint of anxiety. And all of a sudden, I was up all night. Not because no one wanted to feed, but because I literally could not sleep just being anxious about the next day. So just all of it, the emotion, the physical difficulty of it, I really didn't enjoy. Um, And it's only upon reflection that I can really say that that was probably my least favourite phase. Yeah. And did anyone pick up on this? Yeah. So um, I was very lucky in that I have an amazing partner, Nick, who obviously was there with me throughout the whole baby thing. He better be. He made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I guess, you know, it's hard for men as well. And I want to I want to point out a bit of sympathy for them mm. because I think that he was also going through, you know, quite a change and probably his own um, mental struggles as well in accepting this big shift in his life but in saying that his personality is I guess a lot more I would say flexible and easygoing than mine so I felt like one obvious thing to me was Nick was adjusting to what was happening not necessarily saying that he was adjusting well but he was adjusting so he would tackle day by day what he had to do and he was very much driven to get through it I was the opposite. I felt like I was tackling it, but I was not because at the end of the day, I was worse than at the start of the day. So that was one thing that made it really evident that I wasn't necessarily dealing with motherhood and parenting very well. And then the second side of it was that he recognized that I was a completely different person. So usually, you know, things like I was bubbly, I was talkative, I would always have a laugh at the end of the day. I'd always see the fun in every situation. And none of that was coming through. I felt like it was a cycle. I'm sure you can relate to this where I would wake up and like say to myself, oh, it's going to be a great day. You know, you try and like motivate yourself with these positive affirmations into having a fantastic day. And as much as I tried, you know, not to think negative thoughts, not to get anxious, not to cry, just physically cry, which I was doing a lot. I was just crying at the end of the day would always end the same and that's in a bit of a pit of sadness I called it because I just was overcome with that particular emotion and he was the one that really recognized to say I don't really think that you're you Mm. um and I think that you know we've got to do something about it that's incredible that he was able to see that but also to say that to you because that's a really hard conversation to broach with someone, especially someone you love. Yeah, yeah, very intimidating for somebody as well. And I guess 
that's where, you know, there's the difference between friends and family because I think that's a lot of pressure to put on friends and family to say, you know, if you see somebody struggling, you need to call them out on it. That's all good and well to say, but that's a really tough conversation. It's yeah. really tough. It's, it's you know, like I, I even get cringy thinking about bringing that up with any of my family and friends, but so important at the end of the day to be able to just say, I, I think that, you know, you're not yourself and let's do something about it. Was there a particular situation or moment that happened that prompted him to say that? So I think it was a build-up of things, but I, I specifically remember when it was, and that mm -hmm. was at the six-week mark. So I don't know if you got this as well, Rebecca, but I remember a lot of people around me saying, oh, everything changes at the six-week mark, <laughs> yeah. you know? They sleep better and they're, like, more awake and things get easier and, you know, you'll settle into breastfeeding and I don't know why it's the six-week mark. And I guess that's also when, you know, you get um, the vaccination and there's that doctor visit, the checkup. So I think people painted a picture in my mind of this turning point and I really put a lot of faith in that turning point. I was literally counting down the days. I remember, do you know the, the cards that you take, you know, the one-week photo and the two-week photo yeah. with? I was just counting them down to get to six weeks because I had just so much hope and faith in that, that that, that was going to change things. And while it maybe changed things for Noah, I mean, yeah, he did awaken to the world and he, you know, he slept a little bit longer, which was nice. And, um, you know, he went to his GP checkup and thank God everything was fine. For me, nothing changed. So yeah. mentally, there was no change. And I remember coming home from that checkup, Noah was screaming in the car, just you know, didn't want to be in the car seat. So it was actually closer for me to drop by my sister's house and take a break and feed him than it was to go home. So I did that. And I went to her house and she's a mum, so she very much was a big support during this time. And I was just crying to her, you know, just I didn't even know why I was crying. I just was crying. That's the other thing, right? Is that there's no specific trigger. You're just crying all the time. Yeah. Um and I went and then I, you know, she she helped me through and I packed up and I went home. And Nick was like, you know, where did you go? Like, is everything okay? And I said, I, I just couldn't get home that I just stopped at Anna's house and I started crying. And that's when we had a more deeper conversation of I think that there's there's something wrong. You're not yourself. And, you know, like what can we, he was saying just what can we do to break you out of this cycle? Yeah. And what were some of the solutions you guys came up with together? So I guess the, the number one thing for me was um, – that I was confiding in, and and this is this is something I'd, I'd love to you know um, give an example for people who are listening who might sure. not um, have kids themselves or um, have mum friends of theirs who who might be recognizing that they're not themselves is um, the people around you aren't professionals. So as much as my sister could relate to my situation, she can only you know communicate to me as much as she could um ways to help or you know she would suggest things like why don't you write things down in a journal before you go to bed if your mind's racing or why don't you go for a walk and she was she was trying to help but she's not a professional no. um and on the other hand you know nick obviously was the number one person i was leaning on but again he's also just a human being trying to get his head around fatherhood so as much as it's important to lean on family and friends, the turning point for me was when I sought out professional help because 
conversations with family and friends can be encouraging and can feel like a great source of comfort for me, speaking to family and friends and opening up. Um, but really where I started to get results in turning my emotions around and turning my depression and blues and anxiety around was when I reached out to Panda, which is the national hotline for personal anxiety and depression. And they have a free line that you can contact. And that was my first step. Wow. I just called them. I just called them. And I remember speaking to this amazing guy on the phone who just listened to everything that I, that I was, you know, devouring out of my mouth (laughs) at the time and so many of my guests talk about this service and it's an Mm. incredible helpline and I'm really glad you knew about that service to know to call them yeah what happened from there yeah so the way I actually found them was I did a google search of you know postnatal and and that was the first thing that came up so that was amazing and now I communicate that to all of my family and friends Anybody who has a baby, I always say, um, and to my followers as well, just, you know, give them a call. They're a great resource. Um, But I think this is where we're lacking in our particular system in Australia, um, the wait list to see a professional therapist is just really disheartening. And I was really struggling to find help immediately at the time. Yeah. which is so sad, right, is when you're hit with postnatal depression, postnatal blues, postnatal anxiety, it's instant and Mm. you don't know it's coming. You're never going to know whether you will be hit with those emotions or not um, when you have your first baby or second baby or whenever it may be. So you really need immediate help Mm. and that's just not available. So I think, you know, we have issues with our system there and our industry and, and hopefully those will get sorted soon as we shed a lot more light on mental health. Um, but for me, the 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 tie over was Panda, which was amazing. And then eventually I did um, track down a therapist and, and spoke to her and she was great help. Um, lucky for me, it wasn't uh, a long um, journey therapy. I, I, you know, really started to bounce back at the point at which Noel was probably about four months old and getting out of that fourth trimester and I felt like I was getting a bit of a hold on things um so yeah but but I will say that professional help is is what got me through yeah and I mean I think we need both right you do need a professional to guide you but you also need the support and love and comfort of our family and friends. So I'm really, really glad you actually had both surrounding you because I can imagine how much of a difference that would have made or how much harder therapy might have been if you didn't have your loved ones around you. Oh, yeah, 100%. And even, for example, the physical act of, you know, Noel was very young and I had to go go physically to a therapy session. You can obviously do them on Zoom and stuff like that like that these days which is amazing but for me I felt it really important to remove myself from what was happening physically and having no around so I was really lucky in that I could leave him with my mum for that hour and I remember just driving to my therapy session and I was so excited because I just was so excited to speak to somebody about what I was going through um and also you know I put, I put a nice dress on because I literally had no nothing else going on at the time right um that was my coming out of motherhood it was like I'm gonna put this dress on put a bit of foundation on 
and you know hit this real hard um and then you know obviously my mascara ran through my face because I was <laughs> crying the entire time yeah. but um yeah it was it's really important to even physically have the help or, or to lean on people and if you don't because I know that a lot of people don't have that help I completely understand that then use the alternatives of you know whether it's a zoom meeting whether it's um leaning on friends rather than family or close friends that you trust with the baby to come over and maybe you can hop into another room and do the meeting um but don't be afraid to ask for that help especially mm-hmm. in that time of need I think going back as well to what you said about the waiting periods, you know, you said that those feelings, they're instantaneous, right? But I think as well as mothers, and I've said this before, so sorry, everyone listening, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, we don't tend to reach out for help until we're in that crisis point. So yeah, the feelings might come on straight away, but we're getting worse and worse and worse before we even think about asking for help. So to then have to wait for actual help on top of the waiting we've already been doing Mm. that's it's insane it it really is and honestly my heart just breaks for anyone on a waiting list you know to access that kind of service just something as simple as a counselor or a psychologist like it should not be that hard but it is and yeah it's so unfortunate but it is and then of course the other element is you know financial Mm -hmm. is you know, the cost of these types of services is way out of the budget of regular Australians. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, you know, it, it's great having um, some of it subsidised and that sort of thing, but I think it's definitely another element that we really need to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to, to pump, jump in here as well with, you know, as I mentioned with Noah, my feelings were very much spontaneous yeah. and I was very confused. And like you said, I was really in the pit of blues and and those feelings of of depression and anxiety before you know I I put my hand up and and made that call to Panda but with Leo I very much had a different experience and I actually preempted um the changes that were coming even though you know you think Leo's was my second child you know I had already done therapy and like I would have been fine no that's not what motherhood is like motherhood mm-hmm. you know having a second kid is completely different to your first delving into motherhood so I very much wanted to get a hold of it before anything ar- arose um, and that's why I actually preempted and did therapy during my pregnancy which I now recommend everybody does whether it's your first pregnancy or second pregnancy because um, whether you think you might go through um, that struggle or not Again, you just don't know it's coming. But if you really do think that it might not be something that you need to deal with, it's still a massive change in your life. Having children and stepping into parenting as a completely different phase is a tough thing to grasp. Mm-hmm. And I think any help is great help. So, um, And something that you could even do with your partner mm-hmm. to prepare yourself. So. That's my advice. (laughs) No, and I love that advice because everyone who knows me knows how much or how strongly I believe in our mental health in pregnancy. There is such a focus on postpartum. But for many of us, those struggles begin during pregnancy. And yes, even though we might not develop postpartum anxiety or depression, just at least having a mental health referral ready to go just in case so you're not having to then wait with the GP or something, maybe even having an appointment booked 
maybe around the four-week, six-week mark, whatever it is, just so you're chatting to someone. If something comes out of it or if they just say, you know, I think you're doing okay, come back to me if you're struggling, whatever, like, you know, just at least having that lifeline there I think just does such a world of good for so many people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there is such a focus on postpartum, but there is a lot we can do to protect our mental health in pregnancy and postpartum. We can't necessarily prevent it. We don't know whether or not it's coming, but, you know, getting those supports ready, whether it's physical support or whether it's that emotional support, we can kind of get the ball rolling so that we're not taken by surprise, even if it's just having Panda's number. You know, at least knowing those resources exist is such a big thing. Yeah, 100%, especially because um, I think a big issue that we have as well is, as you mentioned, postpartum, there's a lot of follow-ups and checkups for the baby, but there's really nothing for mum. So many people, you know, I, I remember I had my midwife come out and check the baby and, you know, she asked me how I was doing, but You know, it's not really that environment where you start to really feel like you can just start talking about all the struggles that you're going through personally. And then I remember I had a um, local midwife come through as well, like the the community nurse come through. And she left that meeting not asking a single question towards me or my husband. It was all about the baby. And of course, you know, like Noah's tiny and we're trying to keep him alive and that's really important and his poos and peas and the amount of times he drank today was very important. But I think that's where we really need to change what we're prioritising during that postpartum period. Um, So I love that idea that you have as well of, you know, just have an appointment or have the resources ready to go um, so that if you start to feel like you're struggling, you can jump onto it straight away or quicker than you would if you didn't. My heart just broke when you said that, that you didn't even get asked one question. <laughs> no, right? Oh. We're lucky, lucky, I'm using that in quote marks, that we get like the six-week checkup. But how many mums are suffering in those weeks before they actually get to speak to someone, you know? Yeah, it's a long time to go. And, you know, further to that as well, even when you leave the hospital, right, you've done like a bath class, Mm. you've done, you know, multiple midwives will come in and tell you how often and for how long to breastfeed your child. And for some reason, they all say different things. So you're even more confused than when you started. (laughs) Oh my God, it's it's frustrating. (laughs) I know, it's so frustrating. It's like, oh, wake the baby to feed them. No, 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 don't wake the baby. I'm like, what? So, you know, you, you, you have all of that you know, convoluted information. And, but on top of that, you know, you, you know how to make a baby burrito within 0.3 seconds. But you have no information as to what you should do if you should if you start feeling blue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's something we definitely have to, um, have to work on. And I'd say as well, if you have family or friends around who are pregnant or just have had a baby or even have older children, um, I guess it's up to us to just check in with them when we can. Um, Not to say that you're the professional, but checking in with them is, I guess, the first start. Yeah, I mean, family and friends want to know about the baby, but, you know, there are those people in our life who ask about us and that makes such a difference. Mm. Speaking of therapy, if we can go back to that, you actually have a podcast which is called Come to Therapy with Me um, because, as you said before, mental ill health was something you had never, ever, ever experienced prior to having children. And 
you know, obviously going to therapy was this whole new world for you. You even created a podcast about it. So I'm hoping you can share a little bit about therapy and then what was that like? What have you learned? Yeah, so I think I honestly sometimes reflect back on that time and I think, oh my gosh, I don't even know how I had the balls to be able to do that. But Come to Therapy With Me is actually like a bit of a reality series, we call it, of it's uh, literally a recording of my therapy sessions. So mm. when I was pregnant with Leo, I went to therapy for eight weeks as a bit of a um, precursor to having Leo and getting into the, the swing of two under two. Um, and I decided that was with my amazing work, Nine Honey, to partner with them and invite listeners into those therapy sessions, mm. um, which you know was very daunting at the time, but I felt like it was very necessary because much like many other people out there um, who would be listening now as well, I honestly thought therapy was just something I saw in the movies yeah. or people who had serious issues went to. Now, when I say serious issues in quotation marks, I thought, you know, you had to have serious childhood trauma or something happened to you or, um, you know, be, be already suffering from depression or anxiety at a very high level. I honestly thought it was for a special group of people and that was it. And anybody outside of that who went to therapy, I just thought like, oh, why? Like it was very confusing. So when I started, you know, the therapy calls with Panda, with Noah and and therapy sessions, I honestly was just shocked. I realized it was just a conversation. Yeah, It was just, a chat with somebody, somebody who's obviously qualified to help you in the situation that you're in and give you the, you know, the proper tools to deal with situations that you might be confronted by relating to the issues that you're going through. But it was just a nice chat. It felt like I could speak all of my truths, whether they were scary to admit or embarrassing to admit, or I was terrified to say, you know, that like I hated the newborn phase and, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing and I, I sometimes regret having a child. You know, those are really confronting things to say um, and things to come out of your mouth, but that's just how you feel, right? And you're trying to work through those emotions. Um, so that's why I did the podcast because I wanted people to listen in and realise that it was just a form of communicating with somebody and a way of making yourself um, feel comfortable with what's happening to you and your emotions and then getting tools to deal with those emotions. For me at the time, obviously, that therapy experience was all about um, preparing myself for a change. So the tools I was given, which I very much utilized when Leo came along, was things, um, ways to deal with my anxiety specifically because that really heightened when I had Noah. So, um, you know, I was I was encouraged to do things like um, take a 10-minute walk whenever I felt like that anxiety, anxiety was creeping in, so really remove myself physically from that situation. Lucky I could do that at times with um, Nick being around. So whenever he was home, I would, you know, physically just say or say to him at the time you know I really need to remove myself from this situation and I would walk out of the house and just have a bit of a breather in the fresh air um you know it was things like what my sister first suggested which was nice which was I have a journal next to my bedside table which I actually have now um still and I just when my mind was running a million miles an hour I would write things down 
um, before bed or even, you know, if, if I was trying to get to sleep and I couldn't, I would just get up again and write things down because I knew that the pen was put to paper and it didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about it for the next, you know, whatever, however many hours there was going to get me to sleep, <laughs> which at the time was three or four hours. But yeah, um, it was some awesome tools just to help in those situations. And also the other side of it was, you know, being able to confide in someone and just be able to, to talk and talk and talk through those emotions and just being able to know I think that those thoughts you know that oh I hate motherhood or what have I done have I made a mistake you're not a bad person and you're not a bad mother for thinking those thoughts and you realize when you go to therapy just how common it is because we don't talk about this stuff like you were saying before we're sold this beautiful picture of motherhood and that's not to say it's not beautiful it is it can be but it's hard too and no one talks about that and so we sit there and we think have we actually made a mistake have we done the right thing so I'm so glad that that was actually helpful for you and that's why I love that you've done that podcast because like you said there are so many people who they just don't know they don't know what therapy is about they don't know that there are stereotypes I guess and I'm so glad that you're breaking those stereotypes down so well done you Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was the least I could do because it was so helpful to me. I just wanted to really share it and get it out there. But yeah, one of the biggest forms of feedback I, I got from that podcast and even now is that I will say things now like, you know, I didn't like this or I, I thought I, I I made a mistake with parenting. And people will say, oh, my gosh, I feel exactly the same, but I've been so scared to admit that. Yeah. Um, so you're right it takes a lot of guts and courage to face those thoughts um but once you do and once you realize we are all thinking the same thing you know nobody i i honestly can probably predict that nobody has gone through motherhood and not thought oh my gosh life was great two months ago what have i done (laughs) you know the reality of it you know you're tired you're 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 figuring things out you're confused you are hurting you're you're mentally you know struggling um even if it's in the highest sense or the lowest sense and you're just you know a bit tired and grumpy everybody is um still trying to power through it so don't feel like you're the only person with those thoughts and with those feelings and previously you've written about how birth with Noah was great no problems but that you were actually feeling anxious and dreading birth with Leo. Like you had a lot of anxiety built up around that. And I was hoping you could share a bit about that. Yeah, I think um, birth anxiety is something that is very prominent. Um, and a lot of mums don't feel comfortable talking about either because I think you expect, you're, you're expected that you're a woman and you, you should be able to be pregnant and give birth, you know, no issues and that you know your role in nature um but it's bloody scary like giving birth is scary it's a really scary thought um you know you're told during your journey how many things could go wrong and complications and people you know don't have the most pleasant of conceptions right through to pregnancy so there's all these fears put into your mind and your and your body and you feel that and then you go into this to, to birth which is just the wildest thing um the 
it's weird as well because with Noah, I think I just didn't know what birth felt like. I didn't know what it would be like. Um, and I'm very much an ignorance is bliss kind of person. So I just didn't want to know what could go wrong. I would be less anxious if I didn't know. But with Leo, I had already given birth. So I knew how painful it could be. So I knew, you know, how scary contractions were. I was induced with Noah. So I, I felt really nervous about that again, just, you know, sitting there and waiting for contractions to come about. Do you know how terrifying that is for somebody? Um, you know, when you fall and trip, you fall and trip, you don't have anything to brace you for that. But when you know you're about to go through excruciating pain, that's a whole different form of anxiety. Um, so yeah, I felt really anxious about Leah's birth. Luckily, which I did write about as well, Leah's birth was an absolute, you know, whirlwind, crazy um quick birth I heard um, two pushes and it was done <laughs> yeah basically um <laughs> it, it was a very very quick one but yeah I, I had a lot of anxiety around that and um I, I I felt really weird about it because I felt like nobody was really talking about that and talking about birth and um how scary it could be for women approaching that so I, I just felt it really important to share and, and speak to people about it and I do think that's so important to talk about. If anyone's not familiar with my own story, um, I developed that extreme fear of birth to the point it became a phobia. And so I actually had a C-section because I was so scared of birth, but I was scared of the C-section anyway. So it was just this whole situation where I loved being pregnant, but I didn't want to go through birth. And, you know, there is a bit of stigma, I guess, if you talk about being scared about birth. We're, we're sold this beautiful narrative that, oh, birth is natural. Your body's meant to do this. And for a lot of women, that's the case. And that's awesome. You know, I wish everyone could have that. But fear and it's okay to talk about. So I'm grateful yeah. you did talk about that. And I'm wondering if Come to Therapy With Me podcast you did during Leah's pregnancy, if that helped your fear of birth. Yeah, it certainly did. It, it helped me kind of um, very much accept or surrender myself I would say to everything that would happen would would happen and I'd be in very good care where I was um, and a lot of conversations with my midwife about it as well um, but you know I really feel for you as well Rebecca because I think that there's this stigma so unnecessary but also just around c-sections and such misunderstandings like I absolutely hate you know and you would hear it all the time like oh you know you had c-section like that's not really giving birth I just yeah. think Gosh, it just really riles me up when people say yeah. that. I've never had a C-section myself, but I would be terrified. So I completely feel for you and for for those mums who, who do go through that and that completely different side of birth. Um, you know, my sister's had two C-sections, so she had a completely different experience to me. And I think that there's just this this weird misunderstanding of, of that side of birth and that things can go all different ways. Um, and then, and on the topic as well of anxiety around different other things is um, is that feeling of perhaps being a little bit sad about the gender of your baby. I think, you know, that's just a feeling and you're, you have a right to feel sad that you might not be having a daughter or a son because you had a preference. We're only human. Mm. We have a preference to things, right? So I think it's just okay for us to admit that. Um, and so, yeah, that's a big topic of conversation as well at the moment. So, so many things that we can feel judged about um, but that aren't understood. Yeah, like what we feel is what we feel. And, you mm. know, yes, I can sit here logically and I can say I'm going to love my kid anyway, but 
I can't pretend that I didn't feel sad yeah, <laughs> when sadness. I found out I was having a boy. And I love my little boy. I don't feel like I need to add a disclaimer on that. But when no. I found out I was having a boy, I was petrified. And, you know, yeah. obviously that went away. But that moment, that feeling, that's okay. It's valid, you know. Yeah. And I wish, yeah, I wish we could talk about that stuff. What you feel is what you feel and that's valid. Yeah, 100% in every sense about any any Exactly, any topic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. On that note about speaking so vulnerably, obviously you write articles and you share openly on social media about motherhood and your experience and being so open. How has that helped your mental health or not helped your mental health? I don't know. <laughs> Either way. Well, I think, um, and this will probably lead in, into some chat about the book as well. Because yes, for please. me, um, once kind of I, I went through my therapy with Noah and started to feel a lot better and feel less anxious about um, motherhood I went back to being myself a little bit more and um, you know as I said Nick mentioned a big part of me is finding the funny and everything I just you know I'm, I'm a bit of a goofball or like I'm happy to have a laugh at things and I really started to see the funny side of motherhood um, and I at times as well felt like you know I had Noah in the midst of COVID so I spent a lot of time at home, which was isolating for a lot of mums. I never had like a physical mother's group meeting. It was a very bizarre time, which will would or have also fueled that um, struggle for a lot of mums out there. Um, but for me, it was getting so ridiculous. I was at home with this five, six-month-old baby and, you know, he would be throwing things at me or whatever it was. And it was so ridiculous that all I could do was laugh. You know, Nick <laughs> yeah. would come home and I would explain to him what had happened during the day and it was it sounded so ridiculous that we would just laugh at how crazy the, our situation was. Yeah. And so that's when I kind of just started, like, making fun of motherhood. It was honestly a way for me to just laugh through the chaos of it all. Yeah. Um, and I found a lot of other people... Um, yeah, what, uh, you know, people started to comment saying, oh my gosh, this exact thing happened to me or I felt the exact same way or that's hilarious, you know, like we, we're going through the same stage with our baby. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've connected to a lot of people that way um, is just finding the humour in those situations. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there definitely is the people who um, will stop at nothing to <laughs> share their opinion or share their dis distaste in your opinion. Yeah. About a year ago, you had a stranger tell you you were ruining your son's life. And I have no words for this. I was like, you don't know this person. How dare you? <laughs> and, yeah, do you want to talk a bit about that and how you dealt with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can get really angry about it as well. I, I Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that is as hard as a rock. Um, you know, that comment was basically trying to say that I spend so much time on social media making reels that I am not focusing on my child and I'm not working on his development. And, and you know, it was a whole FA to the, to the comment. Um, and, you know, at the time, like this was when I was a first time mum. So obviously I read that and I thought, you know, you second guess everything you do as a mum. So the first thing I thought was, oh, my gosh, am I ruining Noah's life? Um so I think if you're going to comment on a mum's Instagram or whatever you're going to do, I think you've got to recognise that that mum will take it to heart 
That's how you have to approach every single comment online. Even though I willingly share my life online and, you know, I have no filter, I'm I'm more than happy to share all of my experiences with motherhood. It doesn't mean that myself or any other mum deserves to be criticised by another. Um, But I I also see mum shaming in all forms. You know, I recently was speaking to a mum on my Instagram about daycare and she was very much... um, torn over the decision to to send her son to daycare because and her direct quote to me was I feel like I'll be judged because I'm not working so she thought that she would be looked at as a bad mum because she's not working so she should be looking after her child and there's no reason for her to put her child in daycare. Now, any mum would know that looking after children is a full-time job in itself, so you do not need the excuse of a paid job to put your child into daycare. You need that time, you need that space, you need to be able to be yourself to come back to your child as a better version of yourself. Um, But the fact that she felt like she would be judged just goes to show that mum shaming is not limited Mm. to you know, people on social media, it is all around. You could feel mum shaming from your family. I know that a lot of, um, and, you know, I come from an ethnic family as well, but there, there is those trends of ethnic families telling you exactly what you should be doing as a mum and pressuring you into particular decisions. I got a lot of, you know, you should be breastfeeding for longer. That came in from every angle when I stopped breastfeeding. So I felt very judged on that as well. Um, and on that, one of the, one of the most recent, um, comments I got which I was doing a and a just on how my two boys were going were doing and I always love to have open-ended conversations with people about you know whatever they want to ask me about because I know motherhood can be really isolating so if you want to ask me how you know I'm approaching solids or how my baby's sleeping I'm more than happy to share I'm no expert but I'm more than happy to talk about it and one mum wrote to me it wasn't even a question Rebecca it was literally just well it was it's a did you stop breastfeeding to have a social life? And I thought, wow. Yeah. You know, in that one question that you've posed, you've not only offended me, you know, you've offended mums who've decided to formula feed their babies for whatever reason. And on top of that, you've judged me for something that you have no idea of my experience with breastfeeding or my social life. So, yeah, I think we just need to be careful and we need to be kinder. There's no reason at all to be that mean to a mum or to to a non-mum, I think. And it always shocks me. It always shocks me, but I try and really remove myself from those comments. Yeah, and I can only imagine what it's like. I haven't had any of that really directed towards me, but I'm the type of person when I'm, I don't know, I'm in a mood, I'll go look at comments on other people's posts and it's like, you don't know this person. And even if you did know this person, what a thing to say, what a thing to ask. And you know what? Even if you did give up breastfeeding to have a social life, that doesn't make you a bad mum. Like, let's just put that out there. Yeah, maybe it's not a decision I'd make. Maybe it's not a decision you'd make. But you know what? If it's a decision someone else wants to make, like, why are we so invested in that? And why do we feel the need to judge or comment some really nasty things? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. I think the key for me is I'm very much a person that just doesn't deal with that. So I will always block somebody if they come and attack me in any sense. I think 
um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be sharing reels on Instagram like I do, but if you as a mother are feeling judged in any way with what you're doing, we are all doing things differently, right? There's mums out there following routine. There's mums out there following, you know, demand babies. There's people breastfeeding, people doing formula. There's so many different ways to raise a baby and do all the different elements it takes, feeding, sleeping, whatever it is, um, playing, um, educating, that there is no credit to stand on when you are judging somebody else who is just mothering their child the best way that they know and with all the love that they have. So for me, I would, I always block anybody who attacks me and my parenting decisions. And I would say if you have anybody in your life as well who doesn't necessarily have to be on social media, but might be, you know, somebody around you, a friend who you feel like is judging you or anything like that, remove them from your, from your circle because you just do not have the time, the energy, and you do not deserve to ever be put through that sort of scrutiny. I love that. I love that message. And you've previously shared how your anxiety was helped by doing a social media cleanse. Yeah. And that was actually part of my second therapy experience. It was a tool that I was given. Um, at the time I did this social media cleanse and now I do it regularly, which I highly recommend people do. <laughs> but, um, I, with my pregnancy with Leo, was really struggling physically a little bit more than with Noah. So I had um, pelvic girdle pain, which oh. is really intense pain yeah. um, in your pelvic area. Um, and it's not fun when the physio tells you that it will only go away once you give birth and you're only four months down the track of pregnancy. So um, that was a big struggle for me. And I felt like I was very less active than I was with Noah. Now, I'm not saying I was some gym freak because I am not. Like, I was just <laughs> aiming for like a 10-minute walk a day and I couldn't even do that at a point. Um, so that for me was, um, you know, making me feel really bad about myself. I just felt like I was, you know, as you always think, I thought I was getting huge and, you know, I was not getting any exercise. And my therapist at the time told me, well, you know, who are you comparing yourself to? Like, why do you feel like you're sluggish or blah, blah. And I said, well, honestly, it was all of those fitness influencers who had just popped out a baby and look like they had a milkshake. <laughs> I was like, you know, they, they looked absolutely ripped and, and amazing and the peak of their, you know, fitness. And she said, well, this time right now is probably not a good time for you to be following those people. Don't get me wrong. I am those people are an inspiration to me and I love getting, you know, fitness info from people and they're not doing anything wrong. No. There's nothing wrong about that. They're, they're, that's what they love and they thrive off and that's their career as well, right? So they're just working on themselves. But for me, I physically could not do that. Um, and, you know, probably even if I didn't have the pelvic plan, would not be doing that. So um, I just had to remove myself from that content. Um, so I did a social media cleanse and I just unfollowed them at the time. Right now I've re-followed a few of them back, but that's what was really triggering me at the time. So that's what I unfollowed. So I yeah, always recommend whether you're in pregnancy or birth or fourth trimester or beyond that, if you're ever at all feeling like when you've scrolled through your Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, you feel worse about yourself than you when you opened your phone, then I would probably have a look at what you're following and what content's coming through and just remove that from your environment. And I love what you've said as well. It's not that these people are doing anything wrong. They're not bad people. No. But 
you're feeling less about yourself or you feeling that you should be doing better maybe it's okay to take a step away from that it's not like oh we hate these people and we're going to block them because they're terrible and you know it's nothing like that it's just where I am mentally emotionally I just need a break and that is okay that is healthy yeah 100 so that is amazing advice yeah I mean especially you know us mums all I do during the day is grab myself a scroll on Instagram. You know, we're throwing it a lot. We're just trying to get through the day. We feel like a bit of a laugh, so we'll log in. So you're spending so much time on it. It's it's nice to cater it to you, you know, how you're feeling as well. Absolutely. <laughs> you have written a book and I'm so <laughs> excited because I think it'll I think it'll reach so many women. Well, thanks so much for for allowing me to share it as well. Um, I'm very excited about it. So um, it's a children's book Mm -hmm. and I wrote it um, when Noel was born. Um, So as I mentioned, you know, I started sharing um, little funny clips about motherhood. Once I started to become pretty comfortable and, and started to get the hang of things and just thought, you know, this is so chaotic. This is so wild that all I can do is laugh about it. So that's kind of where the idea was born. Um, it's called My Mummy Loves Fudge. Now, for the mums and dads out there, fudge does not stand for fudge. It stands for something else. Yeah. Um, so the book is really all about, you know, it's a great chance for kids to be reminded of all the amazing things that their mum and dad does for them on a day-to-day basis, like, you know, feed them food and drive them places and, take them to the park and take them to bed to sleep and all those little things. But on the other hand, it's a chance for mums and dads to kind of giggle along um, to the cheekiness of the book um, because we all know what we yell out when we're very frustrated with kids <laughs> and we can't say that particular word that we want to say. Um, so it's a really fun kind of take on motherhood. I wanted it to be a chance, again, for, for mums to just laugh like we all deserve to just have a good laugh at the end yeah. of the day um so I think it's a great chance for mums to kind of pick up the book and read it with their kids and, and have a bit of a giggle to themselves um and also thought it would be a great little you know gift to new mums who might be in the chaos of it all and trying to figure it out and be able to open the book and have a bit of a giggle with their friend as well so I'm so excited it's available um for pre-order now yeah I'll be sure to put a link in my show notes so Amazing. Yeah, I think that that just sums up your personality in a like in a book because you've always had this really bubbly, outgoing, funny personality and I'm I'm so excited to see that you've taken that and you've turned that into a book which is yeah, it's a funny book, but it'll also be I think so validating for mums to be able to read that and know, okay, I'm not the only one who thinks that my kid crying because (laughs) he wanted a cracker and I gave him a cracker and he's crying because I gave him (laughs) what he wanted. Like, you know, it'll be validating and I think that that will make such a difference. So good on you for doing that. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Yeah, I I very much as well worked with the amazing illustrator on it, Cesar, um, who's so talented and you'll notice that the star of the book is definitely Noah. Of course. Um, looks exactly like him with <laughs> his curly hair. And um, I very much wanted it to be like a bit of a tribute to Noah as well, which is nice. But, um, yeah, all of the scenes, you know, I, I I wanted mums to look at that character and just go, oh, my gosh, I've been in that exact same situation. You know, I've stepped on that Lego toy and, like, yelled at the top of my lungs. <laughs> 
I have, you know, noticed that poo hanging out from the nappy as well and just dreaded the next yeah. five minutes of my life. We literally are all, you know, going through the all the exact same things throughout the day with toddlers running around and babies crawling around. So um, we can all laugh about it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Maybe one last question. Yeah. What do you want a mum to take away from your story? Like what do you hope someone listening to this will feel? Um, I think I would love for mums out there who may be a little bit like me, you know, I've I've always been a pretty like confident person. Um, when I say confident in just, you know, I've never kind of second guessed myself. I'm very talkative, bubbly, social, you know, fun. Like that's I guess how like my friends and family would introduce me to people um but even I can go through a struggle during that postnatal period and um can very much admit to it so I think you know there's no shame in admitting that no matter how much you feel as though you know oh you know people think I'm really strong like people would expect me to absolutely nail this right um and be completely happy and chappy and you know, I had every reason to pretend like everything was okay. I could have just like rode the roller coaster and stayed quiet to myself and made things worse, to be honest, yeah. and not gotten any help or gotten help and just pretended like I didn't. But I just thought that that was just an absolute waste. Um, so I want mums who, even the most confident of mums or even the most um, outgoing of mums to know that it's doesn't mean just because postnatal blues got you you know they caught you and they and they unfortunately took over some of that time that precious time for you um it doesn't mean that you're less of a, a mom or less of a person at all I think and it can happen to anybody definitely and I think that's such a beautiful note to end on I'm I'm so grateful that you you didn't hide or pretend I'm so grateful that you were honest because when I had my son a few months after you did it was nice to know there's someone out there who's talking about this stuff you know just knowing that there's someone out there who can laugh about the ridiculousness or who can be open about the support that they're getting or that they you know yeah they might be a confident person or whatever it may be we, we can still struggle and we still need help. We still deserve help. 100%. Thank you, thank you, thank you, truly, from the bottom of my heart for coming on. it oh. You validate all experiences and there's power in that. So thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to you, Rebecca, because this podcast is absolutely necessary for all mums, but for the industry to really get familiar with our stories and to be able to see the issues that we're going through, first-hand experiences. Um, and all the mums that have been on your podcast have been so brave um, mm -hmm. and so generous with their stories. Yeah. Um, so you, you really have something incredibly special here. So, yeah, major prompts to you for bringing light to it. Thank you to all our listeners for holding space for today's story. If you like this episode, please leave a review and rating to help me bring you more amazing content. Join the conversation and be featured on the podcast by sharing your story through my website, perinatalstoriesaustralia.com. 
If these stories are a bit too much to listen to or to read right now, then come back another time. Protecting your mental health is the number one priority. As always, this podcast and its associated blog and social media accounts is not a substitute for therapy or for getting help. No medical advice is provided, only lived experiences. If any of this does resonate though, please reach out to a medical professional. See you next time.